21st Precinct, Sergeant Burns. I can hear you. What's the trouble there? Is she all alone? How much is on the clock? Two dollars and what? Well, why can't you pay it? Where'd she lose it? Where? You are in the muster room at the 21st Precinct. The nerve center. A call is coming through. You will follow the action taken pursuant to that call from this minute until the final report is written in the 124 room at the 21st Precinct. All right, you're driving a hat. Drive her into the station house. We'll talk about it when you get here. Just drive around the station. We'll get it all settled here. 21st Precinct. It's just lines on a map of the city of New York. Most of the 173,000 people wedged into the nine-tenths of a square mile between Fifth Avenue and the East River wouldn't know if you asked them that they lived or worked in the 21st. Whether they know it or not, the security of their persons, their homes, and their property is my job. My job and the job of the 160 patrolmen, 11 sergeants, and four lieutenants of whom I'm the boss. My name is Kennelly, Frank Kennelly. I'm captain in command of the 21st. What makes a city? Not buildings, not subways, not business. People make a city. From dawn to midnight, from midnight to dawn, the rich and the poor and the good and the bad pour their lives together and stir up the city. As in the 21st, a little over two weeks ago. I was working my 6 p.m. to 8 a.m. tour. At 1.55 a.m. following patrol, I returned to the station house. In the muster room, Sergeant Burns was on the boxes. Lieutenant Snyder was the desk officer. A hat driver and a well-dressed, very pretty young woman, about 20, stood in front of the railing. I walked around behind the desk to make an entry in the blotter that I had returned from patrol. What's doing, Sergeant? Nothing much, sir. It's been a quiet tour. Look, I got no time to stand here and discuss the pros and cons. There was $2.40 on the clock. Now, all I want is my money. That's all. I'd pay you if I had it. I told you I lost my wallet. Hello, Lieutenant. Captain. Lady, just give me the $2.40. She says she lost her wallet. Well, why couldn't she look and see if she had her wallet before she got in my cab at Idle Wild Airport, Lieutenant? Why'd she have to wait until we get to 80th Street and Park Avenue before she finds it out? I looked in my purse for a cigarette, and I noticed the wallet was missing. Oh. I'll give you a Lady, when I turn the cab in at 4 o'clock in the morning, the boss wants cash for what's on the clock. He don't want checks. I don't have the cash. I lost my wallet. Why do I get all the sad stories? I've never seen it. Where were you going from Idlewild, man? She said Penn State. All right, 19. Uh, what's your name, miss? Elizabeth Earlwood. Do you have any identification? No, it was all in my wallet, Lieutenant. I got my checkbook, though. I'm not into it. What's your name? Swinagi, Joe Swinagi. Well, now, look, Joe, these things happen. But always to me. Why? Who are you, anyway? I'm Captain Kennelly. Oh, I'll take your pardon. I'd just like to know who I'm talking to. You're wasting time here. Not news to me, Captain. I didn't want to come here. I'd suggest that you take the young lady's check and get back on the job. The only other thing to do is file a complaint against her. I got a good mind to do just that. What does that mean? I haven't arrested. 21st Precinct, Sergeant. Do you, uh... Know anybody around here that you can call and get the money from me? Well, you think you're me or not? I don't know a soul, not a soul. I'm from out of town. You wouldn't want to spend the morning in court, would you, Joe? Uh, I want to spend the morning sleeping. All right, give me the check. Let me get out of here. Well, I really appreciate it. You don't know how much I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, miss. You want a pen? Oh, yes, thanks. Thanks a lot. How do you want me out? Just the cash. That's good enough. It was $2.40. I'll make it for $4. That'll be a good tip for all the trouble I caused you. What's up to you, lady? Um. Yeah. 
You know I lost my wallet, and I don't have a cent of cash. I couldn't make it for $10, and you give me $6 change. No, you couldn't. Now, listen, just make it for $2.40. Just give it to me, and let me get out of here. How much money did you have? Well, I 
Next time, I'll take the watch. An alarm was put out for the young woman who forged the name of Elizabeth Hans Irwood to more than two dozen checks and passed them on various merchants and individuals in the city of New York. But the alarm didn't stop her. In the next few days, a dozen more such checks were refused payment by the bank at Braxton, Pennsylvania. In New York, the investigation was handled by detectives of the forgery squad, one of the several organizations of specialized investigators who operate on a citywide basis from the central office. In the meantime, the tour-by-tour activities continued in the 21st precinct. On Saturday, we had a bad homicide. On Sunday morning, a seven-year-old girl on her way to church was struck by a hit-and-run driver on First Avenue. Both her legs were broken, but she was more worried about her dress. The house burglaries continued. No leads there. Monday morning at 11.40, I returned to the precinct from patrol. In the muster room, Sergeant Burns was on the boxes. Lieutenant Snyder was on duty as desk officer. Hello, Red. Captain. Hello, Captain. What's doing, Sergeant? Nothing much, sir. It's a quiet tour. A couple of messages for you. No, thanks. That Mr. Escher wouldn't leave his first name. He said he'd call back. No, I know who he is. Oh, uh, is this one Congressman Thompson? Yes, sir, that's right. He said he'd be at that number until 2.30 p.m. Uh, do you want to sign the blotter, Captain? I've got the entry made. Yeah. All right, Red. 21st Precinct, Sergeant Burke. Uh, what's that new pen, Captain? The ink really flowed. All right. All right. 17. Thanks, Captain. Sergeant, see if you can get Congressman Tarbin back for me. Yes, sir. I'll take it in my office. Uh, where may I find Captain Canelli? Uh, over here, ma'am. You'll have to make inquiries at the desk. That's all right, Lieutenant. I'm Captain Canelli. Oh, how do you do? I'm Mrs. Elizabeth Hans Earlwood. Of uh, Philadelphia? Oh, you know me. Well, let's say I've heard of you. I'd like to talk to you, Captain. In here, Mrs. Earlwood. Thank you. Have a chair. Somebody's been using your name in vain, Mrs. Irwin. That's what I want to talk to you about, Captain Kennelly. Oh, how do you pronounce it? Kennelly or Kennelly? Kennelly. There's a Mrs. Conwood who serves with me on the Philadelphia Elimotionary Board. She was a Kennelly. Mrs. Byron Conwood, is she your family? No, I'm afraid not. Uh, perhaps it was Kennedy. What can I do for you, Mrs. Irwin? You know, I'm not handling the investigation. I'm just another victim in this case. Yes, and it's too bad. I know you were just performing an act of kindness. You were being a good Samaritan. Well, I was trying to be. You were. And I want to make restitution of the $10 you lost. You're under no obligation to do that, Mrs. Irwin. I think I am. It was $10, wasn't it? Those checks were forged on your bank account. The responsibility belongs to the first endorser. The responsibility belongs to me, Captain. You see, I know who forged all those checks. Who? Well... Oh, excuse me. Of course. Captain Kennelly. Captain, I have Congressman Thompson for you. Oh, all right. I'll uh, just be a minute, Mrs. Elwood. That's all right. Hello, Frank. Oh, I tried to reach you yesterday, Congressman. Yes, I know. I'm sorry I didn't get back to you. What can I do for you, Frank? Well, just a little information, that's all, Congressman. Do you know Father Cotella of St. Agnes? Well, he has a student he's very interested in. The boy finished his first year at CCNY, and he's made excellent marks. He's right up there at the top of his class. Good athlete and nice young man. Well, there's not much money in the family. They have a little hardware store. The boy wants to get into West Point. He'd be good. Father Cotella knows there are competitive examinations before you make your appointments. He just wants to find out how to go about getting him on the list. 
I told him I'd call you. Uh, sure, Frank. I'll have my administrative assistant get in touch with Father Catello, all right? Fine. You want the boy's name? Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Once a good Samaritan. Oh, it's all part of the job, Miss Irwin. You, uh, you said you knew who forged those checks. Yes, I do. Who? My daughter. Oh? Don't look so surprised, Captain. I have a daughter that age. My daughter, Elizabeth. So you see, it's not really forgery. Her name is Elizabeth, too. It's not really forgery. Is uh, her middle name Hans? No. Does she have an account at that bank? No, but she has an account at the bank in Philadelphia in her own name. She has money in there, plenty of money. I deposit $50 a week to her account. I don't understand why she does it. I don't understand. Have any officers come to see you at home, Mrs. Irwin? Oh, yes. A very nice young detective from the Pennsylvania State Police. Very nice. Did you tell him you suspected it was your daughter? No. Why not? My husband told me not to. I... I wanted to tell the bank to pay the checks just to let them go through, but my husband told me not to. you have any idea why your daughter is doing this? She's forged and passed nearly 40 checks in New York alone. I don't know. I really don't. She's had everything all her life, everything. Not a thing she wanted we didn't give her. And she just left home all of a sudden, and the next thing we knew, the checks started. I didn't even know she was in New York. Why did she leave home, Miss Irwin? don't know. Well, there must have been a reason. It was something with her father. What? Well, it's really very personal. Miss Elwood, your personal matter isn't personal anymore. It's very public. About 40 people in New York are victims of it. I'd rather not go into it. I'm afraid you'll have to. Well, I'm involved in it, too, in a manner of speaking. Yeah? Well, you see, my husband was away. He told us he was going to Chicago on business. The weekend came and Liz was invited out to Wilmington for a party on Saturday night. She didn't want to go. She never wants to go, but I talked her into it. Anyway, she went and she had a very good time. After the party, the young hostess and her friends decided to go to an inn on the shore for coffee and a snack. She saw her father there. Oh? It was with another woman. How old is Liz? Nineteen. She'll be twenty in October. And did she talk to her father? No, and luckily he didn't see her, but she came home very upset. I had no idea what the trouble was. Finally, on Monday or Tuesday, she spoke to me. Told me she'd seen him well. I said, Liz, I'm sorry you had to find out this way, but it's been going on for years. Your father has his friends, and I have mine. That's the way it is. And what did she say? Nothing. Nothing at all? Well, as a matter of fact, I was just on my way out of the house when I told her I was late for a dinner party. Did she leave right away? Oh, no. In a day or so. Do you have any idea where she's staying in New York? No. Oh, could she be with friends? Well, she only has one friend here. I called her even before the check started, but she hadn't heard from Liz. Captain, that girl has had the best education money could give her. She has a car all her own, a 1952 convertible, all her own. She has clothes, lots of clothes, and money of her own. What made you decide to come to New York, Miss Elwood? Well, I wanted to find her and bring her home. That's the natural thing for a mother to do. I want to get the thing straightened out. Besides, my friends would begin to ask questions. Does your husband know you came? No. He'd be against us. He's afraid she'll cause a lot of trouble. He doesn't want any trouble or any scandal. He's very annoyed with this. Is he? Well, I 
admit I don't understand her myself. What's gotten into her? Why would she do this to me? Well, I'm not sure I can answer that, Miss Elwood. I'm only a policeman. I took Mrs. Elwood upstairs to the 21st Detective Squad and introduced her to Lieutenant King. He called Detective Scanlon of the Forgery Squad who was handling the squeals in this case. Detective Scanlon, along with Lieutenant King, interviewed Mrs. Elwood. As she repeated the story she told me, I went back to my office. A new alarm was put out for the young woman and a communication to the Pennsylvania State Police advised them of the actual circumstances in the case. The next day, orders came through from the chief inspector instructing each precinct captain to accompany the patrol sergeant on cabaret inspection at the rate of no less than two a night until all cabarets were visited. Delegates to two recent conventions had complained that they were being overcharged in a few midtown nightclubs. We were instructed to look for such violations of the state liquor law and city licensing regulations as might lead to the clipping of patrons. These included the lack of a bill of fare, plainly stating prices, improper lighting, and mingling of entertainers and employees with patrons. Everything looks all right here, Captain. Yeah. Did you uh, take a look in the kitchen? Yes, sir. Are they prepared to serve food? Yes, sir. There's a cook on the job. All right. Let's go. We can go around the corner to the high-low club, Captain. We'll see. Oh, just a second. Wait here a minute. There's someone at the bar I want to talk to. Yes, sir. Sorry, I, 
I didn't mean to hurt anyone. You know I'm sorry, Captain. I hope you are. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. I just wanted to get money from people to prove they liked me, that's all. If they were willing to take a check from me, that proved they liked me, didn't it? That's all I wanted to prove. You could have given checks on your own account to prove the same thing? No, that's not so. It wouldn't prove the same thing. It, it wouldn't prove the same thing because... I don't know. It just wouldn't. What were you doing out at Idlewild that night? Idlewild? Yes, the airport. When? When you said you didn't have money to pay the cab driver. Oh. What were you doing there? I went out there just to cash a check, that's all. I thought that would be a nice place. I'm sorry I didn't realize I'd caused him much trouble. I really didn't. If that's my mother, I don't want to talk to her. I don't. No, right, I get it now. I won't. Captain Kennelly. Yes, this is Captain Kennelly. We have Liz here, Mrs. Elwood. Oh, you have? How is she? She all right? I want to talk to her. Yes, she seems all right. Not all clever? Liz? No, I told you no. I'm sorry, Miss Elwood. She won't come to the phone. Why won't she? Well, she just refuses, Mrs. Elwood. Well, tell her I'll be there. Tell her I love her. Tell her I'll take the next train. Her father, too. All right. Goodbye. The next I couldn't talk. I, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't. I, I'm not ashamed of anything, but I couldn't talk to her. She said to tell you that she loves him. She and your father are taking the next train. They won't be here. They told the captain they would? No, they won't. All they'll do is send money. They always send money. They think it's the same thing. But it isn't. It really isn't the same. No, Liz. There's a big difference. All the difference in the world. Twenty-first precinct, Sergeant Burns. What do you mean you were robbed? Held up? Where this happened? Where? Did he have a gun? Well, there were two men. When was this? Just now? How long ago? And so it goes, around the clock, through the week, every day, every year. A police precinct in the city of New York is a flesh-and-blood merry-go-round. Anyone can catch the brass ring, or the brass ring can catch anyone. 21st Precinct, a factual account of the way the police work in the world's largest city, is presented with the official cooperation of the Patrolman's Benevolent Association, an organization of more than 20,000 members of the Police Department, City of New York. Everett Sloan in the role of Captain Kennelly, Ken Lynch as Lieutenant King. Featured in tonight's cast were Gene Gillespie and Barbara Weeks, Wendell Holmes, Bill Zuckert, Bill Lipton, and Louis Van Ruten. Written and directed by Stanley Ness. Produced for CBS Radio by John Ives. Art Hanna speaking.